I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sun shines ever bright. I'll need no heavy garments, I'll just wrap my robe around. When I receive my mansion, mansion, Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, February 21st, 2018. Uh, I want to welcome uh, everybody who's uh, joining in here as we get started this morning. Uh, for those who are watching this after the fact, after we're live, I want to encourage you to take this opportunity, uh, or at least wait until the end of the video to make sure it's shareable, to share this video with your friends and family here on Facebook uh, and let them know about the study that you're going through. Tell them something that you've learned or gleaned from this this study today as we look through Mark chapter 4. Uh, and uh, just help start a conversation uh, with, with those you love about the Word. Uh, and I think... Uh, that uh, can open up a lot of doors in the future. Uh, if you have not yet caught up or are behind, perhaps, in the reading, um, we're reading through Mark chapters 3 through 7 this week. Uh, if you've missed previous lessons, we've already gone through the entire book of Matthew uh, and, of course, have started on Mark. If you'd like to catch up on those, you can do so here on Facebook or you can go to our website, loveland.church, and you can find everything you want to know about the church that meets here in Loveland Heights, but also up at the top, if you click on Media and then select Daily Bible Study, you can actually find previous episodes or previous uh, studies all through the book of Matthew and our first lessons here in Mark. Uh, you can catch up on those, and if you're like me and you like things uh, easily accessible on your mobile device, there's also a section there that you can subscribe to the podcast version as well. So I hope uh, you take the opportunity to do that. If you have any questions at all during the course of this study, you can always leave those in the comment section down below here on the Facebook video, or if you're listening after the fact, or perhaps you're listening in the podcast version, you can always email us at info at loveland.church, and we'll be more than happy to answer those questions for you. Now, without further ado, let's get into Mark chapter 4. You want to turn over there? Uh, Mark chapter 4 contains a lot of parables, um, some that uh, he Jesus gives an explanation for, others he doesn't. Um, so we're going to look through some of these and, and talk about um, an important aspect to this chapter uh, here in a few seconds. Verse 1, and, he began, er, and again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat it sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them. Now I'm going to stop right there. So, um, this opening sequence here in Mark chapter 4, there is a very specific detail added about where the crowd is and where Jesus is. The crowd is on the land. That's important because the word land is the same Greek word as soil, as earth, as ground. Uh, and the, why it's important to note that is because that same word is going to re be repeated several times throughout this chapter. So listen for the word soil, 
land, earth, something along those lines in your translation. Um, but uh, the fact that this, this crowd is standing on land or on the soil, uh, which would be the exact phrase in the Greek, puts them directly into the application that Jesus is teaching uh, through his parables here. Um, he is delivering his word to those standing on the soil. It is quite literally the sower scattering seed on the soil. Let's listen to that. Verse 3. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. <coughs> and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So that final phrase there is something we, we heard in the uh, Gospel account of Matthew. It's something that Jesus often um, adds at the end of his parables. Um, and it is intended to be a call to action. Those who are willing to hear the lesson that I'm teaching, let them hear. Okay? Because there's a lesson in this. Obviously, you know, if somebody hears this, if they just walk up, they don't know any have any idea who Jesus is or, or what he teaches or what he preaches, and they heard this story, it would be like someone giving the, the uh, a lesson in agriculture uh, or a lesson in farming. Uh, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in terms of our spiritual life. But, of course, those who are there to hear um, Jesus speak about the spiritual things, this is going to perk their ears up. Now, when he was alone, verse 10, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and, that, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So that uh, section right there is a quote from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Um, just a quick glimpse there. It says, Go and say to his people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Um, so Jesus is not saying that the reason he speaks in this way is so that those listening will never be forgiven. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's paraphrasing what Isaiah uh, Isaiah spoke, not really paraphrasing, but um, quoting what Isaiah spoke uh, in terms of, you know, the, those who are listening, they need to understand what they're hearing, and they need to understand the, uh, the benefits and the purpose of the lessons they're hearing, so that they may be, in, in, in turn, very soon, be forgiven. Um, of course, forgiveness right now is only at Jesus' hands. It's only Jesus during this time who says your sins are forgiven to people. Um, he said it uh, to the lame, uh, to the, the paralytic. He said it to the, to the, the robber on the cross. Um, Jesus is the only one who has the power during this time to actually forgive sin. Um, of course, um, 
there's atonement for sin, atonement sacrifices that are there as well. Um, but ultimately, Jesus is the one who pays the price for sin. Uh, when he dies on the cross and his, uh, his blood is shed as the pure lamb, he is the holy priest, or the high priest rather, offering up the, the sacrifice of atonement. Um, and that sacrifice um, paid the debt uh, of sinners before and pays the debt for sinners in the future um, as long as they obey and believe. Uh, the debt that had been paid, um, it's kind of like uh, when the way um, I've heard it uh, described in the past is um, for those before Jesus' death, before the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, if they offered up sacrifices of atonement, there's basically like a credit card. Um, and they were, you know, racking up their credit card in terms of sin and, and um, atonement. And Jesus came in and wipes that debt out, basically, um, because of their willingness to seek atonement for those who are righteous, etc. It's not available. It wasn't available for all, um, but for those who um, did what they were supposed to according to the law and the prophets. All right, verse 13. And, and uh, Jesus said to them, do, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and those are, and these are the ones along the path, where the uh, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those uh, that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. So Jesus categorizes four groups of people and how the word is received with them. For some... Uh, the, the first group that were uh, that was sown along the path, um, these are folks who hear the word, but then uh, immediately, ah, whatever. Satan comes in and plucks the word away, gives them something else or, or changes their focus and takes, takes it away. Um, and it's often, uh, it's often done of their own choosing, really. Um, you know, allowing Satan to come in and, and have that control and be able to take away what they have just heard, the truth that they have just heard, and say, nah, nah, I don't buy it. They have had the word sown, but they have basically refused it. Then the ones that are sown on rocky ground, these are those who hear the word, they are joyful, they, they are like, yeah, I've got the truth, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, on fire for Jesus, I think is a term that's been used in the past. Um, but then uh, when anything comes up, when anything, when any question or, or curiosity or, or trial or tribulation or temptation arises that makes them question the word and the truth that they've heard, they immediately forget it and say, no, nope, no, nope, can't, I, I want to do this. And that kind of ties in as well to those who are, are, are sown among the thorns. The thorns that choke them out are the cares of this world. Um, things like, you know, we've talked in the past about the cost of being a disciple. Um, you know, this, the thorns in this would be something along the lines of those who accept the word, but the word contradicts or the word um, teaches against things that they want to do in the world. Um, things like, you know, um, you know, the word teaches that homosexuality is wrong, but I have 
a very close friend or I have a very close uh, relative who is homosexual. And, and for me to, to believe, I can't believe that. I, I can't believe that. I can't hold to that belief. And so they either forget the, their belief, they leave the belief behind, they fall away, uh, and they're choked out by those thorns, by those cares of the world, or they continue on in a make-believe faith, in a faith of their own um, construct uh, and traditions of men, basically, to make themselves feel better about the sinful things that they're a part of or the sinful things that they support, something along those lines. And then lastly, of course, is the good soil. Um, those who hear the word and accept it and they bear fruit from it. Um, and, you know, I think oftentimes, you know, we may look at this as Christians and we say, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm the good soil. I'm on the good soil. But are we losing sight of the bearing good fruit? See, that's the important teaching that Jesus is saying is that, that your seed is sown on good soil, but the purpose of that seed being planted is to grow and bear fruit. And if you look back at the the, pre, the three other groups there, uh, you know the 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 seed that goes amongst the thorn, it, it grows up, but it's unfruitful. It's choked out by these weeds and by the thorns. Um, the one that's thrown on the path, it never has an opportunity to grow. Uh, it there is no fruit that comes from that. Um, and then of course the ones that fall on the rocky soil, their root doesn't hold firm enough, long enough for them to bear good fruit. And so, the whole point of this is bearing good fruit. And are we, are you, doing that in your life? That's the teaching that Jesus is bringing forth here. Now in verse 21, he kind of enlightens that a little bit, pun intended. And when he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So Jesus says, Be fruitful, bear good fruit. And then he explains, he says, The whole purpose of this is to shine the light, is to bear good fruit. You don't get a light and then you hide it under a basket or under a bed. You put it on a stand to shine bright. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is hidden. And nothing is secret. Okay? And here we have another parable about soil. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So again, we have another example of the seed being sowed out there. Uh, and we'll talk more about that here in a second. Let's get through the rest of these here. Verse 30. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. 
And with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. So, again, we have a mustard seed. We've heard the mustard seed before in terms of the size of faith one can have in order to move mountains. And if you follow um, uh, my other blog uh, or brand, I guess, whatever, called Duck Disciple over on Instagram, um, you know, I've put up a picture yesterday about, you know, faith that moves mountains and, and mountains that don't move. Um, but in this sense, he's talking about the seed and what it produces out of that seed. Um, now, from my understanding, mustard is is sort of like a, it's almost weed-like in the way it grows. And so that kind of um, details kind of what Jesus is talking about here, is that this little tiny seed can be very, very big because it can grow and spread um, greatly. Um, and of course, mustard, with it being a very small seed, when it flowers and the seed falls, if it's good soil, it continues to produce and reproduce and grow. And that's, again, speaking back to bearing good fruit. The mustard seed grows and produces good fruit on good soil, and it expands. And thus is the kingdom of heaven, is what Jesus is saying here. That's what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be. Jesus is the first mustard seed, and he's here... He's standing out in the boat, and he's casting the seed, his bearing of good fruit, and he's casting that seed onto the soil, and it's going to spread. And it has spread, of course. So, the parables here, um, obviously throughout this chapter, Jesus has explained uh, why he teaches in parables. And at this point in Jesus' ministry, these parables for the most part, are mysterious, they're secretive, um, the, the reasons behind them or the explanations are hidden. If you see at the, the end of verse 34 there, he privately um, explains the, them to his, uh, to his disciples. And note that we only have one explanation recorded here uh, in, in Mark chapter 4, and that was about the, the sower at the very beginning. But the, the, the prior parables, there are no explanations there. Now, I kind of gave one for the the parable of the mustard seed, but we don't have Jesus' explanation of it. Um, their purpose is not yet to bring about clear understanding or bring about mass repentance or, or anything along those lines. Um, but the purpose of these parables is to call listeners, honest, humble listeners, um, he's trying to find good soil, to use the term that he uses here. Um, now, the, the parables themselves, the, the reasonings, the explanations, they're not going to be hidden forever. Um, as we read uh, previously in verse 21, nothing is hidden except to be revealed. Um, Jesus, of course, privately reveals these things to his disciples, and the time is going to come in the very near future um, for them to publicly reveal these the, the mysteries of the kingdom. Um, and we get a better understanding of the kingdom from the apostles, from their writings, from their example, etc., that we have in the inspired word. Um, but ultimately, this is all, it's, this is the reason why it's so important to be studying the Word of God in the way that we're doing right now, and hopefully the way that you're doing privately, um, to be a good listener and to, and to sincerely receive the Word of God. Because those who are standing on the soil, right, verse 1, those who are standing on the soil, which is us listening to Jesus speak to us through the Word, we must ensure that we're standing on figuratively good soil. 
And when the word is received on the good soil, it produces great things. It produces fruit. We don't always know how we produce good fruit or, or how the word um, sets in people's hearts and, 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 and grows, as is the point of the second parable in verses 26 through 29. But we know that it produces good things. We know it does produce. We just we may not know how. And in fact, if we look at uh, verses 30 through 34 here, um, it produces far greater things than what we may ever expect at first. You know, when you look back, when I look back at my baptism, and look back at um, you know the conversations, and, and even back to when my parents were baptized, and look back at at all of the things that happened to line up, all the little mustard seeds that grew uh, and, and flourished, and and and. I myself receiving that mustard seed at one point and, and growing um, even and growing still today I'm still obviously not perfect nobody is perfect and I uh, you know there are much greater preachers and ministers and speakers and those who are knowledgeable about the word more so than I um, but we're all still growing um, and so long as we're producing fruit as we grow um, I think that's the important part of being a Christian um, but of course, um, when we do um, sow the seed, if you will, um, we must also understand that um, we are casting the seed out there. And how it is received by those who hear it um, is based on their position, on whether or not they're standing on the path, on rocky ground, um, whether they're standing uh, amongst thorns, or whether or not they're standing on good soil. If those are uh, who are receiving the word are doing so openly and honestly, then we know that they're standing on good soil, and we know that uh, fruitful um, vegetation can grow from that. So lastly here, uh, we'll wrap up chapter 4 um, in a miracle that Jesus performs out on the sea. Very popular and, and, and uh, probably regularly something that's fresh uh, in many uh, Christians' minds because this is something that I think everybody has learned about in some capacity uh, during their childhood, uh, etc. But uh, on that day, verse 35, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. Remember, they're still on the sea. Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them uh, in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were also with him. So they had this like fleet of boats going across the sea. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. I wish I wish I would have uh, used that peace be still line uh, while my wife and I were away in Tennessee. Uh, the first night in the cabin there, the winds were so strong and the, the cabin would groan as the like, 30, 40 mile an hour wind gusts would uh, push against the cabin. And we were on the top of a hill basically. And uh, I wish I would have just woke up and said, peace be still. Just for a laugh, more than anything, because I know it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, Jesus shows his power here. He has the power over the wind. He has the power over the waves. He has power over nature. 
and the question that is asked by the disciples, uh, and remember, his apostles are here too, and there are other disciples with them. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? At this point, all the lessons that Jesus has taught, all the things that Jesus has done, all of these things, they still don't know who this man is. They still don't get it. You know, he's spoken in parables. He's healed uh, individuals. He's called apostles. He's been teaching for a long time. And he's done miraculous things in their presence. But even still, even after Jesus stands up in a boat and rebukes the wind and the waves, they don't get it. They don't know that he is the Messiah. He is the promised Messiah what a wonderful Savior he is. If you have any questions about this study, again, please feel free to leave those in the comments section. I'll come back and answer those if, if needed. Uh, or you can reach out privately at info at loveland.church. And you can use that email address as well if you have any need that we can assist you with. Or if you have any prayer requests that uh, you'd like us to pray for or with you, um, we're happy to do that as well. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed, and we'll see you tomorrow with Mark chapter 5. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night.